You're listening to the fastest revival talk radio show. The Voice of Revival starts now. Welcome to The Voice of Revival, bringing you dynamic insights on revival for today's generation. Discussing biblical truths and how they relate to the church, prophecy, and current events. We are watchmen sounding the alarm. Broadcasting revival for the church, awakening for the nations, and restoration for the world. Welcome to the Voice of Revival radio show. Isaac Gutierrez here coming at you with a brand new show on the VOR Broadcast Network. We're excited to have you. Thank you for joining. I am so grateful and thankful that I'm able to come and share this word with you weekly. Sometimes we're, we're I'm believing that pretty soon it's going to be daily. This ministry has been a labor of love. <laughs> I can tell you that it's something that I enjoy, something that I have a passion for, but it's also something that's like a a mandate, even like a burden that the Lord has put on me to continue to keep doing this program, to keep unveiling and bringing more in this day that we're in right now. It's a preparation ministry for the last days. We are preparing the body of Christ for what's coming. This is what John the Baptist did. This is what the prophets were doing. This is what the apostles were doing. They were preparing the way for the return of Jesus Christ. They were preparing the people for when the day would come, when they there would be a great understanding of the last days. It's like there's a new unwrapping, a new unveiling. It's called the apocalypse. The apocalypse is not something about doom and gloom and about, you know, just looking at it as a as something terrible. It is something marvelous. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what the book of Revelation is. It's the revelation of who Christ is. And Christ is all throughout the scripture. And one of the things that we can understand about the end times is how it connects with the feast of the Lord, the day of the Lord. I talked about this all throughout this series we've been doing, and I believe that this will be our finale But later on, maybe down the line, we'll even get into the other four feasts and we're just going to put it all together. As we put this together, we're going to see that it's a roadmap. It's almost like a GPS of the end times of the last days. We we, we begin to understand it and put it into a perspective that's completely different than what we're used to. So like these are celebrations. They they mark spiritual significance spiritual events in Israel. So today I want to talk about, so far we talked about tabernacles, what it meant, what it was, why it was celebrated, how it how it points to the last days, how it points to the millennial reign, to the latter reign, how it points to the future when there's going to be the latter reign. You see, the latter reign comes first, which is the last revival. This is the great awakening before Christ comes. And then we have the millennial reign, which is the thousand year reign. And then we have the new heavens and a new earth. So I want to look at this today, how we can look at scripture and look at other accounts, including the account of Jacob, Elijah, the Mount of Transfiguration, 
because they occurred during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I want to go into a great number of teaching from the scriptures. We did that on our last program about the day of the Lord. If you get a chance, go and hear that program as we taught on the day of atonement, the day of judgment, and the day of the Lord. We went through many scriptures and connected the day of the Lord to his return. I can just say this. When we begin to understand this, we're not going to be confused about the the time that Christ is coming. Okay. We also talked about the Feast of Trumpets, the resurrection rapture. We talked about the Day of Judgment. Something that we didn't get into was the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to do that in a later program. And the first death and then the millennial reign of Christ. This entire series, I see some things here as we look at scripture. We can see something that helps us understand our day and our time. Let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. I got my Amplified Bible Sometimes I have my revival Bible, and sometimes I just get a a lot of different translations so that we can get a different perspective here. Because understand, we need to look at the, the context to understand what they're saying, how it applies then, and how we can apply it today. Because like I told you, prophecy is parallel. That means what's happened before will happen again. God always uses as an example of what happened in the past. He'll do it again. We just have to see the mysteries and how it connects together. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an olive tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. For I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? And I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, I like what it says. And then the Lord said to me, I like it because he's showing me the Lord is going to reveal to you. The watchmen are appointed to watch over God's word. So God will perform his word as the watchmen declare his word. Then the Lord watches over his word. It says in Psalms 121. I mean, I keep going back to the watchmen because it's so important that the Lord is bringing this ministry out during this time to help us understand where we are in the word of God, where we are in the last days. Many have been looking and saying, well, all of this is going to be future. This is all going to take place in the future. No, it's happening right now. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the body of Christ, to the ecclesia. God never sleeps nor slumbers. Psalm 121 says that the Lord watches over his word. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't sleep. We may sleep. But he doesn't sleep. And as watchmen, we are called to not slumber or sleep. It's not talking about physical sleep because as humans, we need to sleep so that we get rest. But it's talking about keeping ourselves spiritually awakened to understand the deception 
and the delusion of our days. That's where the spirit of discernment comes in. And during this time, we need to have great discernment to know what is good and what is evil, because many are calling evil good and good evil. And we have this misconception and we're twisting things around to where everything that is good is not good and everything that is evil is good. That is Satan's deception to turn what is good to look evil and to turn what is evil into good. It, we're living in that time right now. Psalms 121 says this. I will lift up my eyes to the hill. Verse one. From where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Verse three. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's not going to slumber nor sleep. What is he doing? He's watching over his word. I love that. God is watching over his word to make certain that it is always fulfilled and understood by at least a few and understand that is the watchman's responsibility. They are the caretakers of his word. If we go back to Jeremiah, it's talking about the twin. He's talking about an almond. An almond represents the word. It, the almond represents watching over the word. There were 22 almonds on the lampstand in Moses' tabernacle. They signify the watchman over the word, which is God's light to the world. So we're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles and how this all connects prophetically in Scripture. The lampstand was located in the holy place of the tabernacle, the place of Pentecost. If we go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, there is a connection with the feast of the Lord and Jacob's ladder. That word almonds means loose, loose or light. Then Jacob had a dream in which a ladder reaching from earth to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Genesis 28, verse 12. Jacob is catching a glimpse of of the Feast of Tabernacles, where he will put off the limitations of the flesh and be given the ability to move back and forth between heaven and earth. Understand, there's going to come a time in the Feast of Tabernacles where heaven and earth come together. That's why Jesus said, he said, pray that heaven comes, that the Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we're going to be able to move back and forth between heaven and earth. There's going to be this, I don't know what people would call it, translation, where you move from one place to another easily because we no longer have our physical bodies, but we're able to move in spirit and natural, in the spirit, in the natural. You know, as we're getting into October, we need to understand the supernatural realm because it seems like it is the time when the veil of the supernatural and the natural are very thin. That's why the enemy likes to imitate as we have the Feast of Tabernacles. A month later comes Halloween. It's almost like this substitute for the Feast of Tabernacles became Halloween to the pagans, to the heathens. We're not going to celebrate. In fact, Jeroboam was the one who implemented this feast 
that was not the feast of the Lord. It was another feast. It was a feast unto idolatry, a feast to the God of the dead. And that is what Halloween is. I'm not going to get into that right now. I probably have two or three years teaching on the supernatural, on Halloween, on Reformation and things like that. I'll put those on a link and you can connect to the VOR.net. We have over, I believe, 200 teachings and messages all throughout this broadcast that can help you. And the purpose of the whole, the, the purpose why I do this is to prepare, train and equip and give you tools and resources that you can hear over and over again. I pray that they're blessing you, that they're challenging you. I pray that this is something that you can use. Okay, so Jacob's ladder is almost an understanding of the Feast of Tabernacles. Then we go into where Jesus said to Nathaniel, remember John chapter 151, he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending. Okay, the Feast of Tabernacles is when the veil to the supernatural and natural are open. And there is a ladder that you're able to ascend and descend into the spirit and into the natural. There's like an angelic realm, a supernatural realm. There's coming a time in the future where there's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit upon the entire planet. This is the final awakening. This is the time that the Lord is going to release his power and his anointing. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. <laughs> There's going to be an awakening for the watchmen and our need to watch over God's word and to pray to awaken God's people to the full experience. Now let's go to another occurrence in the Feast of Tabernacles, and this is in Solomon's day when they are dedicating the temple. Second Chronicles chapter five, verse 12. You notice that God does amazing things. He shows up. He wants to be involved in his holy days, in his feast. Can you imagine if we would get this, we would start celebrating at these times, what kind of power, what kind of anointing, what kind of blessing of the Lord would come upon us when we understand that this is not just a, a feast for the Jews. This is God's feast. These are God's holy days. These are his appointed times, the Moedim. I'm telling you, since I've been studying this, teaching this, God has just been opening and understanding and showing me that it's bigger than I can imagine or we can even think. And we look at it from this perspective the end times takes on a whole new light. The end time takes on a whole new life. And it's why it's man. It is incredible. Second Chronicles chapter five, verse 12. It says, okay, verse 11, second Chronicles five, verse 11 through 14. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all of those ASAP 
Hernan and Judaham with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of an altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, string instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Oh, oh, there we go again, sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals, instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Verse six, then the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in heaven. So we're looking at this. This is when the temple is being dedicated and the priest could not minister no more. Why? Because the glory of the Lord fell. It fell when? In the Feast of Tabernacles. This is talking about the, the former glory. We're going to we're going to look at uh, Haggai, how it talks about the latter glory is going to be greater than the former glory. The glory of the Lord would fill the temple and his presence will come down. That's why it's called tabernacles. A tabernacle is when God dwells with his people. He's coming to dwell. He's coming to live. He's coming to stay. If we build a place, if we build a, it's just, that's why we must live holy. That's why we must be revived. That's why we must live awakened because we're awakening to the glory and the presence of God where it's not peculiar. It is amazing. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Today, we're continuing talking about, this is the finale of the, we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, but I'm getting to some scripture of how the Feast of Tabernacles, when it was, um, when the children of Israel kept the feast, what happened and the Lord would show up and the glory of the Lord would show up. And it would seem like a time when the heavens were open. When we talk about an open heaven, we're talking about an outpouring of God's spirit. Some call it revival. Some call it awakening. Some call it outpouring. Some call it spiritual quickening. Those are all things that describe a great revival. And the great revival happens on this time when we allow ourselves to understand God wants to pour out his spirit and bless us as we give reverence to him in offering as we give reverence in thanksgiving, as we give reverence to him on the Feast of Tabernacles. Ephesians 1, verse 13 through 14. It says, In him you have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That is going to be the fulfillment of tabernacles. Ezra celebrates the Feast of Tabernacles in Nehemiah verse 8. Nehemiah 8.1. In Nehemiah had the burden 
of the Lord to go and rebuild the city, the Jerusalem, and rebuild the temple and things like that. But there was something that was missing when they found the word of God, when they found the Torah, when they found the scrolls of the Lord, they heard about the feast and they begin to observe them. Watch this. It is found after Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. Then the people gathered together as one, as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. That is the time of tabernacles. Then he read from it on the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Can you imagine? They've been reading the word of God from the morning all the way to noon. What is that? Like maybe four hours of the word? Man, we can't even read five minutes of the word of God. People want to get out of church. 30 minutes, you know, give me a 30 minute sermonette. Give me a quick sermons, pastor. What if we start really getting to the word of God and we start teaching it and people have a desire and hunger for it? That is what revival is. Revival is not just the benefits and the celebration and all that. Revival is when the fruit is manifested. First, we have to, to pay the price if we want to bear the fruit. So they began to read the word of God. Verse six, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen. When lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. And look at verse 13. Now on the second day, the heads of the Father's house and all the people with the priests, Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the Lord. And they found written in the law when the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And they should announce and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountains and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrrh branches, palm branches, and branches of leaf-free trees to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or in the courts of the house of God and to the open squares of the water gate and the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had turned from the captivity, made booths, and set under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness. And day to day, from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. As the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly, according to the prescribed manner from the time of joshua the judges all the way until the captivity there hadn't been any celebration why because after they were in the promised land they forgot they quit celebrating the feasts 
It became like, no, it's just a tradition. They forgot the word of God. My goodness. They forgot the law. Ezra the scribe, Ezra the priest, read the word of God after they are lit out of the captivity, came back to the Jerusalem, and they began to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. And every time there was a return to the feast, the Lord would show up. Okay, let's look at the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. We might have to do two parts on this because it's just glorious showing you prophetic understanding how as they celebrate this feast, what would happen, the presence of God would show up. That's why it says at the end of the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse, that he's going to dwell with this people. He's going to tabernacle with this people. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. When does this happen? When the new Jerusalem comes. What is the Feast of Tabernacles? It is preparation time to celebrate the time when the new Jerusalem comes down as a bride, as the bride of Christ comes together with the groom. There is a wedding. There is a celebration. That's why there's so much joy. There's so much exceeding joy on this feast because God is coming to dwell with this people. When Jesus came, he came to dwell with them. Ezekiel 37, 27 gives a prophecy about this. Ezekiel 37, 27. We're going to come to teach on what happened is that a lot of modern New Testament or modern churches are teaching that the law is no longer needed. We don't have to. I even heard a pastor one time say that we don't long, it's no longer necessary to read the Old Testament. We are under grace. We're under a new covenant. No need. That's old. That's the law. We're under grace. So, but here's the thing. You can't throw out the Old Testament because there is so much in the Old Testament that has not yet been fulfilled that leads up to the, the second coming of Christ. We got to be careful because we're doing away with the law. Jesus didn't come to to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That right there, he says, fulfills the law. We couldn't keep the law. Jesus came, paid the price so that we're not condemned by the law. But we're able to come to him in repentance so he can forgive us, so we can continue living for him. Can't do away with repentance. Ezekiel 37, 27 says, My tabernacle shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That was the whole purpose of why the tabernacle was built. Exodus 25, 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus 40, 34 through 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation 
because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's why the tabernacle was just a symbol. It was to prepare. Then we have, we are the tabernacle of Christ. We have become the temple of the Lord, which dwells in the presence, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells in us. There's no longer this, the former glory. That's why great revival, a great awakening. What happens? The presence of God is felt throughout the land. It's felt throughout the earth. It's felt throughout the nations. It's felt throughout the continents. It was said in some of the great awakenings that they could feel a canopy of God's presence coming from the sea as they were coming in. They could feel and people would fall upon their faces and cry out, what shall I do to be saved? There was such a holiness. There was such a reverence of God. We're coming back to those days, but we're going to have the church is going to have to return to doing it the way God wants it done. And when we do it the way God wants it done, we're going to see great revival. People want a great revival without paying the price. People want great revival without repentance. People want great revival without doing anything. And the Lord says, no, in order for it to come, we must sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to see the glory of God cover your land, cover your city, cover your state? Cover your nations. They'll cover the nations of the earth. It's coming, but we have to get some things in order. That is why Jesus has not come yet, because these things have not taken place yet. The reason why I'm teaching this is so that we can understand how valuable it is. And we understand the value of this. We're going to take it more seriously. We're still talking about the prophetic significance. Just like there's a prophetic significance to the Feast of Trumpets, there's a prophetic significance to the 10 days of all, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Those three feasts point to the second coming, to the millennial reign, to the Day of the Lord. They point to the glory of God covering the earth. My God, I feel His presence. When you start talking about these things, the Lord comes and shows up. He comes and he dwells among his people. I want to end with this. I'm coming with part two. That's how we're going to understand where we're moving into. Haggai chapter two, verse nine. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this place, I will give the ultimate peace and prosperity declares the Lord of hosts. Haggai means feast. The word Haggai, his main name means feast, and he is the main biblical prophet of the Feast of Tabernacles. So let me end right here. You see, we have been in a Babylonian captivity, and there's going to be a mass exodus coming. The church has been in a Babylonian captivity. Just as the children of Israel were, it's almost like a cycle. The Lord, through the Holy Spirit, revealed what is going to happen, and it's going to be incredible. 
We're about to see mass exodus of people leaving denominations that have apostatized by accepting the Antichrist spirit of the age. You see, the Antichrist doesn't have to come. Many are are being led by the Antichrist spirit. When a church apostatizes, when they fall away, it's because they no longer believe the scriptures. They no longer believe the word of God. They're not being taught the word of God. So what do they do to create a false peace? They make peace with the enemy. They make a truce with the enemy. Instead of standing for what is right, instead they tolerate it. And when you tolerate something, it will come back and it will control you because now you're tolerating sin. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about repentance. There's this grace revolution that took place and everyone says no longer are we under the law. We're free to do what we want. Just let everything go. And we have forgotten the things of God. We have forgotten where we are in the last days. And many people are going to be confused when all of these things happen. And it doesn't happen the way that they have told us before. Those who have turned and welcomed this spirit of perversion and rebellion on their doors will be written, Inkabob, the glory of the Lord has departed and the Lord will move into tabernacles. This is why when the glory of the Lord left in the day of Ezekiel, the Lord left the temple. He left the physical building. He left that physical representation structure and he went out into booths. Come on. He went out into tents. That's why we're going to see the cathedral's tent revival start again. Why? Because he wants his glory. Many want the glory of God, but we don't want to repent. And repentance is going to be a massive call. And many people are going to flock. Why are they flocking to the tents? Why is Mario Murillo having such great success? Why is he now putting out another tent for the children? Because the Lord gave this word and said, when we see the Lord pour out his spirit upon the children, it is the beginning of a great awakening. And he's going to start with the children. And he's going to pour out his spirit. You see, he poured out his spirit before. It's going to pour out his spirit again. And it's going to happen when we get this concept of the booths, the tabernacles. God is going to raise up dwelling places. He's going to raise up tents. That is why we focus on the VOR crusades. We want to see the glory of God fall. We got to return to the holiness of God. We got to return to repentance. This thing is bubbling in me. This thing is flooding me. Maybe this might be, you know, those who are listening say, wow, why are you talking so much about tabernacles? Are you becoming a messianic? Are you a messianic Jew? Are you this, this? No, I'm reading scripture and I'm telling you, the Lord is calling us to do this. And he's showing us throughout scripture. He has moved during the time when we kept those festivals. We kept those appointed times of God and he blessed it. Maybe we're under lack. Maybe we are under a curse of drought, a spiritual drought. Because we have been kept these things of the Lord. I'm coming back again because we got to continue on how we're going to talk about more of this prophetic uh, significance in scripture about the Feast of Tabernacles. How it's pointing to the last days. 
Are you ready? I don't know about you, but since I've been studying this, I have an urgency not only to share, not only to be a watchman, but to go into the great harvest. It is time for the great harvest. It is time to go and see souls come to the kingdom of God. And it's not going to be in the four walls of our temples. It's not going to be. Yes, they're going to get full. But first, God says, I want him to go into booths. I want him to go into tabernacles. I want a dwelling place so that they can come and the presence of God can flow freely. Many talk about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not welcome. He stays in the foyer. He stays in the back room. And then when everybody is gone, then they talk about the Holy Spirit. But that's going to change. Oh, I feel his presence. I feel a shaking. I feel the trembling. I feel the fear of the Lord coming back. The fear of the Lord is coming back. The anointing to prophesy, the anointing to speak the word of God. He's going to shake the house. He's going to shake the temples. And those who do not want this glory, the glory will depart and it will go. And it will go into houses, into booths, into tents. The Cambus Cathedral shall rise for this day, for the glory of the Lord shall visit them. He's coming to visit, and it's not the way that you're used to. Get ready. It is going to shake America. It's going to shake the nations. This is the time. We are going to see an almost a current return back to the past when they understood this concept and there were tent revivals in the 50s and the 60s and the voice of healing and the evangelists and the anointing of the prophetic came together. We're going to see a tsunami and the wave of God come. We're going to see the fire. We're going to see the glory. We're going to see the wave of joy and we're going to see a wave of commissioning and sending the people out to do the work that God has called them to do. Now is the hour, now is the day, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're revealing the significance of this feast. Lord, let it get into our spirits. Let it stir something in us. Let it become such an urgency to the great commission, to souls. God, I feel, God, I feel, I sense you pushing us into the harvest that when the time comes, Lord, you're going to provide all that we need for these crusades, Lord. This is not just the VOR's concept or his vision. This is your vision. This is why you've been telling us to prepare for the great harvest, prepare for the great revival that is come and that is now and that is before us. You're giving us, God, an ultimatum. We're coming to the last call before you come, Lord. And I feel it, Lord. I feel that the Holy Spirit is descending. The presence of God wants to dwell with us to where every part of our homes, of our cities, of our communities, of our nation, of the nations of the world can sense the presence and the almighty God among them. We don't have to wait to the millennium. We don't have to wait till you return. We can experience it now. Oh, God, we, we want to see your glory. We want to see the presence of God come, descend, stay with us, Lord. Do not leave. That This is not a visitation. This is a habitation. 
This is a tabernacle. Lord, we are your tabernacle. Now fill our tabernacles. Fill our temples with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your presence. Fill them with the anointing to break the yokes of bondage in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for a return. I pray for prodigals coming home. I pray, God, that people would get this. And, Lord, they would begin to change their attitudes, their their mind, their spirits. And they will repent, Father, for the way that we have understood the scriptures. And that a hunger and that a thirst would come for the word of the Lord, for the scriptures, for the understanding of the last days. Let there be such a desire to know, Father, what is coming. For you are coming soon. But, Lord, you're giving us the understanding before it happens so that we can make preparations for your tabernacle for your presence to come and stay with us and never leave. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. That's why I do this program. That's why the Lord is just pouring this into me, and I'm going to share it with you. I pray that it's challenging you, is raising your faith to a new level. I pray that it's giving you a, a deeper love for the scriptures. Get into the word of God. Study it. Learn it. See that every time you see it, it's going to be a different understanding, a different nugget, a different revelation. It's not a book of information. It is alive. It is living. Revelation takes you from a information experience of just knowledge to living it, to doing it, to seeing it and watching it happen, putting it into action and application. This is Isaac with the VOR radio show. Find out more about our ministry. Go to the VOR.net. Find out about the VOR crusades that we have been talking about, doing tent revivals and seeing the glory of the Lord in this tabernacles, in these dwelling places and these tent of meetings. It's going to be miraculous, marvelous in the sight of the Lord. Until next time, this is Isaac with the VOR radio show. I will be back with the second part on the understanding of the fall feast. I pray that they've been blessing you and you've been getting something from it. Share it with everybody that you know. Okay, God bless you. Bye-bye. This concludes the Voice of Revival broadcast for today. Tune in again next time and hear more biblical truths for today's generation.